The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. Good afternoon, Medivet listeners. This is KP. Here with Marcus. And we have a uh, anonymous guest. We're going to talk about a number of things in healthcare. This person shares the same passion that we do about healthcare. Um, she had a little bit more insight into things, and it just kind of goes with the flow as far as our topics, our conversations about healthcare, and we're going to go from there. Yes, I believe that, you know, our guest today wanted to remain anonymous because the information that will be shared today will be very, very interesting on the patient side because it's dealing with health care and insurance. And as we all know, insurance can be a very difficult conversation to discuss. And, you know, it's not very transparent in the uh world today, I would say, especially in the U.S. He put you on the spot on that one. Yes, sign me up. When we spoke a couple of weeks ago, it was very engaging. I was like, wow, we really need to talk. So let's give us, you know, a little background, you know, as much as you can about yourself and what you do. Okay. Um, well, I'm anonymous, <laughs> and I work for insurance company, which is one of the biggest insurance companies in the United States. That might be giving away a little too much info, but is it's it? fine. I'm no, sorry. no, no, go ahead. Cut go that ahead. out. They're go the ahead. number, so they're the so she works with one of the, the top 20. We'll go from there. That's perfect. All right. Yeah, I like top that. 20 is safe. One of the top because, 20. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, as far as what I do, it has a lot of layers to it, but in a nutshell, I am a claims adjuster. I am also an account specialist for a particular client that's also a very large, renowned brand in the United States. Um, I pretty much help associates, which are you know customer facing. They take phone calls um, and answer members' questions all day long, and I answer their questions. So basically, I'm their expert. Um, just kind of tip of the iceberg of what I do because it's a lot. What's a typical day? Well, hmm. let me answer both. Okay. The client, I'm in the commercial side of things okay. of the insurance company that I work for. So um, basically your, your employer Business side. would be mm -hmm. my client. So it's a particular employer group mm -hmm. for a particular brand that's very renowned that I handle their insurance for. Um, and then on a typical day, um, I pretty much am answering emails and answering chats and answering questions, um, making special um, call outs for our nurses mm -hmm. um, because our nurses handle cases specific, more um, kind of complex cases for our members. Mm -hmm. And so I handle the back end of that too. Um, I work with supervisors. I work what's, with. What's the back end? How do I even explain that? I feel like we're doing an interview with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really nervous, guys. I'm sorry. No, absolutely. Take your time. Um, okay, so basically, if you say, hypothetically, that you have insurance, medical insurance, through your employer, and you have questions, you get a bill in the mail, hmm. you don't know what this bill is for, but it's astronomical, you call your insurance because it doesn't look like they covered anything, right? So you call in, you get a representative, and you know 
know, they need to do some research, they'll put you on hold. And that person would be reaching out to me to get clarification on whatever their issue is or what they're not understanding. And I will explain to them and then they'll go back to you and let you know what's going on with your claim or your bill or what have you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so my supervisors, our service account managers, they have more escalated issues when things just have gone long overdue. They'll reach out to me and ask me to handle it. So that's mm. kind of what I mean by the back end. Okay. Yeah. You know, I've gotten, you know, medical bills in the mail and even medical dental bills. And I would always think that it would be covered by my insurance provider. But, you know, they were telling me, well, hey, I paid, you know, $100. I still owe 200 and I'm like, well, why am I owing any money? I thought I have insurance for a reason. But, you know, most people don't know that they can call the insurance company to get some kind of clarification. My problem is I don't think I have the time for that. If I have to call somebody, I'm looking at it as I'm going to hold for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, and not really getting directed to the right person. So what are the challenges to kind of help prevent from being on hold for so long? Or do you have like, you're like the source, like you're the plug for health insurance. <laughs> in the department that I'm in, we are the plug. Um, okay. It's actually something brand new that hasn't really been happening in the medical insurance world. We're a full service mm -hmm. center, call center, so to speak. So generally, if you call the insurance company, you will be transferred. If it's claims, if it's benefits, if it's mental health, those are all different departments that you would be transferred to. Um, we, our clients, again, are very high maintenance, so mm. we cannot have a long hold time. So we will handle your issue. Not only that, but we take phone calls, we do chats, we do emails. So you can get a hold of us one way or the other. Um, but as far as like regular members mm -hmm. that aren't part of this clientele, yeah, you guys are kind of shit out of luck. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Mm. Um, but yeah. What's a claim adjuster? Break that Basically, down for me. Um, if you call in and your question is about claims, you get routed to my department. And mm -hmm. if your claims issue is something that isn't too high dollar, then I can adjust the claim right there on the call if it's not done correctly. So you can adjust it right then? Yeah. I can still do that now. But yeah. Why would somebody want their claim adjusted? If, you're, if they're applying the rates from the provider, how can you all of a sudden just adjust a claim just because, hey, it's a Wednesday? <laughs> is that how it works? No, if it's processed incorrectly, of course. For mm -hmm. example, if it was supposed to be preventive and it wasn't, then mm -hmm. I can go in and adjust that. If it was supposed to be a network but we somehow got the wrong contract or the wrong tax ID was submitted on the claim, then I can go in and adjust that. Okay. And pay it out same, well, next day if, I, if we need to. Okay. Yeah. What would you say is the best thing that you love about your job? The best thing is when I'm actually able to help someone from start to finish. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I liked, um, what they promoted, what they kind of sold me on to even move to Texas. Mm -hmm. Is that, hey, you know, you get sick and tired of having to transfer members and not being able to help them or see them through with their issue. Here we are, full service center. You do you like do it because the reviews? Do they leave you? Do they leave you personal reviews or? My client knows me by name, so yeah, 
Um, yeah, I'm very liked. <laughs> yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. You get personal reviews all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not on Google, though. Just like no. within the company, internally. Yeah. Okay. Surveys, emails, mm. things like that. <laughs> so um, now let's get into the nitty gritty. Do insurance companies want to pay money? I can't answer that because I can. Mm-hmm. And of course, it, as a claims adjuster, I'm going to do what's right. Mm-hmm. So I would say, yeah. I almost said the company name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of money to blow, so I just can't really see why they wouldn't. So, but you know, here's my here's my background. Is you know, I work with neurosurgeons, orthopedic surgeons in the operating room. Spine surgery is considered elective surgery, and so I've been in situations where the surgeon has to get on a call with another doctor for a peer-to-peer mm-hmm. to basically uh, approve the surgery. Mm-hmm. I've been in situations where they denied the surgery because the patient didn't do, they didn't do their physical therapy um, or did an implant that is considered investigational. And so I look at it from the outside looking in is those are barriers to where the insurance company can legally deny moving forward with the surgery. Am I correct on that? You're absolutely correct. There are certain policies and requirements that have to be met for every high-dollar procedure. So those peer-to-peers, I know they go hand-in-hand with prior authorizations. And anything spinal-related, yeah, those are a nightmare to approve. But sometimes the peer-to-peer, to my understanding, isn't with that same What is a uh, specialty. So is a peer-to-peer, just, just for the listeners, is a peer-to-peer what? It's where a surgeon has to speak with another doctor to explain his reasoning for wanting to perform the surgery. And this other doctor is actually a member of the insurance company. It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, does um, he practice medicine or is he just? They probably is did he practice. Just employed. But now that peer, that surgeon may not even be another spine surgeon. It mm. could be a dermatologist. It could be an OB/GYN. And so when you talk about peer to peer, they're only talking about as far as medical doctors mm-hmm. but the specialty may be different but again so you're saying that a my spine doctor or my yeah let's just use spine my spine doctor will call an insurance company and speak to a dermatologist about my spinal surgery and then whether or not if it's approved well they may not be calling the insurance company had may have um, put that procedure on hold because mm-hmm. they want more clarification as to why they want to perform that surgery. Sure. So now that that surgeon has a scheduled call with another doctor from the insurance company to explain to them and what they're finding got were. That. Yeah. So I and that doc- personally never seen it be a completely dif- different specialty. I know what you're okay, getting at. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen that. I don't know if that's the case because every appeal document that I've seen where they have the justification with, you know, Dr. So-and-so reviewed Mm. this using so-and-so policy, blah, blah, blah. Their credentialing is always related to the procedure having had or that they were trying to get approved for. So I don't, I can't say that. I've never seen that. Okay. Be completely left field. Like that would be insane. Yeah. Well, Hey, he's a gen Gen X and he's always right. I believe you. (laughs) I definitely believe you. I personally, no, that would be, that that would just be like downright insane. But yeah. So a peer to peer is your doctor speaking to one of Mm. our clinicians to discuss. Maybe we didn't get all of the information that you submitted on your request. What have you. 
So, but yeah, I was, you know, on the impression that, you know, when they're doing a, a peer-to-peer, that it was, it could be with not a, a random doctor, but with a doctor or a surgeon that had a different specialty. So, again, the reason why we're doing, the reason why we have this podcast, because I don't have all the answers. I hear things, we hear myths, you know, we can Google things, we do Wikipedia, all that kind of good stuff. And so there may be some rumbling that I may have heard. And so, again, I can admit that, you know, this is probably part of that 9% where I'm not correct. So (laughs) That 9%. Yeah, that 9%. Mm -hmm. But so. you are correct in that spinal surgeries and things like that are very difficult to get approved. Absolutely. Yeah, I know they have to, you know, get physical therapy. They gotta get imaging, and you know, I just know it's, it's that's the one specialty that I'm aware of. But I'm sure there's others that can probably they get approved a lot sooner. What I will say is the people that are <laughs> that get a hard time have a hard time getting paid. The anesthesiologists. They're on a network, aren't they? Radiologists. Yeah, pathologists. Good luck. I'll throw the anesthesiologists. Aren't they out of network? Mm-hmm. The majority of the time, yeah. And that is something that the numbers, you know. But you cannot have surgery without anesthesia. So let's talk about that. Why would that be a hard time? Because, again... The surgeon doing his part, the hospital doing their part, you need anesthesia. Every policy is different, um, but the majority of policies have sort of like a clause that basically allows anesthesiologists or, you know, those doctors that you can't control, um, you don't have a choice on. You can't look up the network status for an anesthesiologist nine times out of ten. So they have provisions in their policies that allow us to process them at the in-network benefit level um, along, as long as the facility and the actual surgeon are in-network. But the catch that people don't understand until it's too late is that we pay, we pay at the in-network benefit level but based off of our allowed amount. And this is thousands of dollars in difference. Like, it could be a $4,000 anesthesia bill, and we'll only pay out, like, maybe 200 <laughs> So wow. that's the catch with that. Where do these numbers come from? Um, I, have <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, they say it comes partially from, like, Medicare rates mm-hmm. and things like that. But there isn't any way for us to and it's, it's different to state by state, correct? Absolutely, yeah. It's, state I mean, by state, claim by claim. Exactly. Yeah. Each claim. Minutes yeah. of anesthesia, like fluids. Like, I'm sure yeah. everything is different because every code. Yeah, if we were both anesthesiologists, no. you know, what we would get reimbursed would be different. And so it wouldn't be the same. Even if we go to the same, through the same health insurance company. If you're at the, right, pro- well. you're at the same hospital doing the same procedure, mm-hmm. just because it's a, a Wednesday, mm-hmm. the rates may be different. And, and yeah. they change all the time, too. So let's talk about super bill. What is a super bill? Can you explain that for the patients? Do you want to explain that? I really don't know. I just know that when I went to the ER one time. <laughs> I thought that I was just going to get one bill. I got a bill from the ER doctor, the hospital, the lab, and it was new for me. Now, is that considered a super bill when you're getting billed for multiple... Um, Departments? To me, on the health insurance side of things, a super bill is just simply the claim form okay. that a provider would send in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that is just more so the different, <laughs> I don't even know how to put it, just the different charges associated with anything that gets done at a hospital. Yeah. I mean, you can go for an x-ray and you'll get billed separately for everything. Mm-hmm. You can get lab work done and get billed separately for everything. So if you get labs done at a hospital, you have a charge for the from the facility and then you have a charge from the, the physician. Okay. Yeah. With the bills, do we have to pay them in full? Or can I just pay like $5 per month before it goes to claims or collections? We don't have anything to do with the billing, which is slightly a luxury. Um, I'm really? glad to say that we don't have anything to do with that. Like, if you never pay your medical bills, we'll never know because we don't keep track of that. Mm-hmm. If you paid up front, which this happens all the time, the hospitals will ask you for a chunk up front because they see that you haven't satisfied your deductible. And people always assume that those amounts that you pay up front get applied, hmm. and they don't what, what, because we're not notified of that. What are some of the benefits of working for a top 20 health insurance <laughs> company? Do you get free health insurance? What are, like, Tell me some of the benefits. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> Our health insurance is trash, honestly. Wow. It sucks. Our client has better health insurance than us, so um, that's definitely not one. Um, I really can't say that there's that many perks Mm -hmm. pto sucks we don't get sick days um we hardly get we don't get bonuses our pay raises are suckish Mm -hmm. um i mean the only incentive is really knowledge like because it's something that you are gonna have to use throughout your whole life yeah so you're just lucky to know the ins and outs of medical insurance so when patients have deductibles Mm -hmm. How can those deductibles be applied to the implants prior to surgery? You can't. Why not? Because we don't know what the services are that are being done. And we won't know until after the procedure is done. Well, Hmm. the procedure is basically the same. Meaning, like, if a patient is... If a patient is scheduled for a one-level spinal fusion... There's only a certain number of implants that that can go into that patient. You're only going to have four screws, two rods, a set screw, and an antibody cage. That's that's it. The implants are the same. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, so the implant part of it is going to be the same no matter what. Um, if you're doing a three-level, four-level fusion, the implants, the number of implants are always going to be the same. So that's what I'm talking about as far as if you're going in for breast surgery, you're going to get two breast implants. You know what implants are going inside of you. If you're going in for a knee surgery, you know what implants are going inside of you. You, got, you only have one kneecap, one patella, one hip. So you know only those components are going inside of you. So how can those components be paid for ahead of time to help cover the deductible? So, so I, down, I, yeah. no, I just want to say, I just want to ask a question, and you may not like this question. But who, who, me? you, yeah, okay. you often, um, you often compare patients, or not patients per se, but the um, situation of the surgical procedure as automobiles, correct? I have. As far as taking off a tire, yeah, yeah. Okay, I have. Or you know, like kind of. Healthcare in general, right? Like when something goes wrong, 
you need to go get this checked. So, it, and I just want, just a clarification for the listeners and everybody out there. Is that the same as saying all patients are the same? I'm not saying all patients are the same, mm-hmm. but when you, when a surgeon informs the insurance company about the procedure that's, that's about to be done, mm-hmm. those CPT codes or whatever, ICDN9 codes, whatever, mm-hmm. those, they're the different code per each level. And so if it's a one-level fusion, it's one code. If it's two-level, no, it's... And, so so and, per code, then yes, the procedures are the same. I think you've even seen the, the, the sheet that they get, that they submit to insurance companies to where if it's for a, a revision, if it's for a removal, those codes and that language is very specific for that procedure. So let me ask you this. So if I... Sometimes I take my car in for an oil change, and that's all I need is an oil change. But often I'll take it there... And I'll need an oil change, and they'll tell me something else is wrong. So, therefore, I need to get those other things done. Is that possible? No. And i tell you why. Because whatever the insurance company approved you for for that surgery, I've been Mm -hmm. in surgeries, and there's been something else that kind of came up. That doctor would then have to, one, call the patient's family Mm -hmm. and said, hey, you know what? This kind of came to our attention. Mm -hmm. They have to get that family member approved because the patient's under anesthesia. Okay. And so they have to get somebody's approval to do something more and or not necessarily to do something less, but if you want to add on to the procedure, then they have to get confirmation to do so. Got it. Okay. Now, they have, now they'll deal with the insurance company on the back end, mm-hmm. but they have to get consent from somebody else to do that. Got it. The thing with what you were saying prior to your question is that there are only a few codes in a procedure that require a prior authorization, right? So you can go in for a spinal surgery, but only three out of the dozen codes that are billed require a prior authorization. So we don't know what those other codes are going to be. We don't know what those medications are going to be. We don't know, you know, anything else associated with the procedure aside that aside from those three codes that need to be pre-approved. Mm-hmm. So how can we you know, get these charges applied to the deductible without really knowing everything that's going to be billed. That would be, you know, hypothetically, we would get a claim for the services that we do know that are going to happen, and then we're going to get another one afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, shouldn't, well then, then to that point, I would say that you just explained that no matter what, if I do the same surgery on the same day but at a different time, it's going to be billed differently. So I think that leads it to the insurance company to come up with their own cheat sheet for certain procedures, Correct and then charge the same exact fee per hospital, per patient, per area, right? I mean, because if you guys had that standard fee rather than just charging what you want and when you want, not to say that's you per se, right? But instead of just charging what you want when you want, then you'll have a better idea of the standard cost of what's happening in that procedure. We can give people a nutshell ballpark range oh yeah i know you can (laughs) what they might be responsible for but as far as exact figures no but why not because we don't know all the codes that are going to be associated with the procedure but i mean eventually let's say if i told you i'm going to pull some change out of my pocket right like you know i'm saying if 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 the certain thing happens let's say 10 times Mm -hmm. okay if you are you telling me you can't make a, a a a a good estimate of yeah, what it will be. Yeah, give you a good estimate. But, but I mean, a, I mean a near ballpark number, not just yeah. a ballpark number. We can give you a near 
Air Ballpark number four, the facility charge. The anesthesia, mm-hmm. heck no. We don't know what the anesthesia minutes are going to be, all of that good stuff. We can give you a ballpark for even the, phys- the physician if they're contracted with us. Is there a way for patients to find out the cost for these codes? Transparency. No. That's what you're talking about right now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. No. Why not? Because that would be... So we get this question all the time. It's proprietary. We don't, we don't have access, quote-unquote, to the contracted rates mm-hmm. with in-network providers. So who... Okay, so it's with, it's with the in-network providers. So that means as an in-network provider myself and as an in-network provider for Keith that you guys negotiate different contracts per provider based on what? That I don't know. Okay, okay. That's beyond me it's, because I'm not with provider uh, services. Yeah, so. probably okay. some AI stuff. All right, yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, yeah, all right, like how right, they get right. to those figures, yeah. I have no idea because compared to the charged amounts, they're so different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's kind of so like, no it's kind of like, well, hey, Steph Curry just got a $20 million contract. <laughs> Somebody else got yeah. a contract for $50 million. So it all depends and, on, and, and, and that's on the, the It all depends on, on the market. Um, it all depends on um, their success as mm-hmm. far as, you know, mm-hmm. patients not, you know, having as many fail rates. So that's what I would think. Right. A physician in Los Angeles, you know, their contra- contracted rates are going to be way higher for the same procedure as someone here in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know. But, you know, I, I look at a procedure. If you're going to get surgery, you're going to go in, make an incision, and you're going to close that person up. We know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. You're going to need surgery. You're going to make a decision. They're going to be closed up. When you're going in for a knee surgery, there's only one component that they can put in there. If you're going in for a cochlear implant, there's only one implant that you can put in their ears. And so you know what components are going in. So if I knew that ahead of time, if I say, hey, I wanted to pay for you know, that knee implant ahead of time, if I want to pay for these four spine implants ahead of time, because you're going to need those four for that fusion surgery. Hmm, good question. Why can that? I understand that's a hospital charge, but you know that with those codes that you're going to get one knee implant. That's all you've been prior approved for, one cochlear implant. That's what you've been approved for. For a spinal fusion, you're going to need four screws, two rods, a four set screws, <laughs> And an antibody antibody cage. Yeah, and I I was going to say, that's bad luck because you talked about a knee implant. You tapped my knee, and don't wish that on (laughs) me. For all the listeners out there, that's bad luck. You can't talk about spine surgery and just tap somebody on the back. Didn't you just do that? (laughs) Just now. Nobody touched me. He just not touched me. No, but I I do agree with what you're saying, though. But, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, components and deductibles, you should be able to pay for that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you know, like I said, I don't know what to relate it to, but. I, I mean, don't, I don't think that I agree with you and that I feel like what people have paid up front to the providers, I feel like we should be notified and we should be able to apply those funds to their deductible and or out-of-pocket maximum. Absolutely, I agree with you in that. What Do I agree in that people should be able to pay for the whole thing? Beforehand, no, but I do agree that the funds that the providers ask for up front because they see that they have a deductible or what have you, I absolutely agree with you that we mm-hmm. should go ahead and be able to apply it 
to there, but we don't handle billing at all. Mm-hmm. We're not notified of anything that you've paid up front. We don't know if you've ever paid any of your medical bills. It's just they're separate. So when it comes to your deductible, you have no idea if the patient paid their deductible? Nope. If it's satisfied, it's because we received claims and we adjusted them and applied the benefits accordingly. But if you've ever paid them, no. So when people say, oh, I'm being sent to collections, not because Sorry. of you guys. Mm-hmm. That, We're not billing that, you. Then, that the hospital then? Yeah. Hospital, doctor's office, whatever. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good thing to know. I had no idea. We no, can, that is yeah. interesting. So we don't know anything about it. <laughs> it's interesting. All right, so let's switch gears for a second. So I want to know more so about insurance companies. I'm trying to be... You know, get you know a lot of information about everything regarding healthcare and insurance. Because again, there the reason why we have this podcast or just have these topics because there are things we don't know. Like I said, I always assume that you know breast implants, even bariatric surgery, is cosmetic. Also, right? Insurance company don't cover bariatric. Cover bariatric surgery, actually. Really? Yeah, you have to be. But you have to really be have a BMI that's kind of. Body mass index. You have to have a certain BMI. Um, You have to have tried a physician-controlled, like, weight loss program for six months. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of requirements for that as well. But it is covered, one again, one per lifetime, a lap band or, you know, something like that. Okay. Do you have anything for us? What would you like to ask the med vets? What would I like to ask you guys? I've kind of already asked what I needed to ask as far as what you guys do. I don't really know what, well, you guys work together, right? Yeah, so I'll tell you, on, on this podcast show, um, this is how it really operates. You came on as the <laughs> expert, right? No, seriously, you're the expert. So I, I do appreciate you sharing your expertise with myself, with Keith, and with the guests. Keith is more so of the medical health care. Um, he, he, I guess he's the bridge in between us two. I advocate for the patient end, you know, so I'm more so on the, I'll always try to dumb things down, you know, per se, but, but put it down on a, on a more granular level. Because when you guys are talking, nobody really clearly understands what you're saying, right? Um, a lift, D lift, EHR, you know, I mean, yeah. either way, you guys don't really understand, you know what I mean? Um, peer to peer, people don't, that's not, that's not layman's term. So that's jargony medical terms okay and that's where i come in because i relate to the people the politician that's so what i'm telling do. them you never <laughs> for politics you relate to the people you yeah. have to look for it i can yeah. see it so but you know like i said you know it's just really conversation because you know when we first spoke you had that passion for healthcare. i do too um there are things that i don't know and so and again one of the things about Marcus, you know, him, you know, he looks at it from a different lens than I do. You know, I relate, you know, with with surgeons being in the field, being in the hospitals, dealing with what they have going on. And, you know, Marcus is kind of like the administrative, like he looks at it from a risk analyst point of view. And not in a way, like you know, like you you're more. Of, I didn't make any face. Yeah, and and, and and I'm more of a you know kind of you know hey this is how it really is this is reality mm-hmm. you know kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, but we like to bring in bring on guests like yourself, Miss Anonymous, 
and just really have really good conversations. And sometimes, you know, Marcus is, you know, taking the lead. You know, it's a good thing that I don't know, and I'm sitting back and I'm learning. <clears throat> Most of the time. You know, just, you know, just as well. Can I correct you? I wouldn't say that I'm an advocate for health care, per se. But you see what's wrong with it. Absolutely. Yeah. On a daily basis. What is wrong with it? A lot of give us give us things. five things right now. I want five things for the listeners to know. Five things right now. What's wrong? A bit of a stretch. I'll I'll just tell you in general what's okay. wrong with it. Okay. Go ahead. Well, first of all, my client is you know again it's a top company. Mm-hmm. So on a daily basis, I'm seeing people that can't afford to pay their medical bills, mm-hmm. and this is a company that pays their employees well. So I can only imagine what the rest of the United States, like with people who have regular jobs mm-hmm. and or lower paying jobs and they have medical bills of this, you know, level, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, these people, I mean, they make bread, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So they won't have a problem in, you know, retrospect, paying their bills at, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some people, sure. But the majority of the United States is not making the money that these people are making. So... And they don't know the ins and outs of all of that. I mean, these people are smart, too. They're intelligent people. And Even these people are the are, people within your company? No, within my client, like the okay. employer. Like, they are all Can you compare people. your client to somebody? Let, let's just give an example. Like, what 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 can somebody ex- expect your company? You know, is, is it Google, Amazon, somewhere of that nature? Yeah, okay, I would say perfect. at that level. There we go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so engineers, I mean, I'm talking to huge tech people, I mean, VIPs, mm-hmm. executives, like we talk to these people on a daily basis and even they are clueless about why they're getting the bills that they're getting. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's frustrating, um, but people should have access to that information. There should be more transparency about what all goes into procedures, not just office visits. I'm talking about, you know, actual procedures, but even office visits. You know Mm -hmm. how many calls I get about a routine physical? Like a routine physical. Just because people assume that it's everything associated with it is going to be covered. As soon as you mention one problem, one issue to the doctor, they can make it a diagnostic visit and you'll get billed for it. Or they can add it on. We'll pay for the routine physical and then they'll bill for an additional sick Hmm. visit with that. So it's just, it's not transparent at all. People are getting screwed. Like, you have to know the ins and outs to, you know, basically take advantage or use your insurance coverage to the best of your ability. So is it really patient care or is everybody worried about the numbers? <laughs> Meaning, I mean, I, I know it's probably more about the numbers because, again, if I go in for something else and there's something, if I... Like you said, if I go in for a routine visit and I mention, oh, my arm hurts, well, now that's another code, and that will mm-hmm. trans- transition to a diagnostics, you know, kind of visit, which will be another, you know, code, another payment that the patient will be responsible for. Mm-hmm. So transparency. Should there be transparency? Should there be a flat fee for a visit? Should there be a flat fee when I go to the hospital? It's just like, hey, if I'm going to get surgery, this is what the flat fee should be. Should there be that kind of transparency? You mean universal health care? Because that's really what you're, what needs to be done, honestly. Not, universal. I but I wouldn't even say universal. I, I Honestly, to, to that point, I would say I think it's fine state by state or, or, or even county by county sure. because – 
some areas are a little more. State I, I know. State, okay. I know if I go to Neiman Marcus to buy something, if I go to buy a pair of Nikes from Neiman Marcus versus going to, um, let's say, yeah, that same pair of sneakers are going to be different. The, the price is going to be different. But like you're more, you're more inclined to get into a car accident and or injured in Dallas than you are in Frisco, Texas. Okay. <laughs> right? I'm just saying. So, therefore, you're, it plays more a part of your health. You're more likely to inhale it's, chemical fumes in a certain part of the, you know what I mean? It's, it's Same thing with weird. Pennsylvania than you are Nevada. So, I do understand why it's state by state. I look at it as not even, you know, universal care or anything. It's more like bougie care or concierge. Like, hey, I'm not going to go here. Even though I can get the procedure done here, I know that I can get it at, at uh, another facility same same procedure, but I may pay a little bit more. And that's but, I, exactly but I know, why like, some hey, people go out of network on yeah. purpose. Where is where is the change in healthcare insurance that you see coming? <laughs> a change? Yeah. I mean, the only changes that I see are just you know getting I mean, you have times t- as far as technology, mm-hmm. you know, is concerned. Like the way that people submit claims, the way that people access their information. We're working on improving that making it more fluid, Mm -hmm. uh, making it more accessible um, to people. But as far as how things are being built and things like that, I I don't see any changes going on with that. Absolutely not. What are your thoughts on EHRs? I don't know what that is. Electronic electronic, uh, health records. So now they're kind of like standardized. Like every doctor, every hospital has to have an EMR. Basically, like your medical records, but on a computer. Is yeah, it's, we don't need to go in there because if you don't know what it is, but basically yeah. it's just your it's it's your medical records, and I mean nowadays, um, you know your physician may tell you to log on to check things, but patients don't do it. They're still called the doctor, anyways. Oh. Um. That seems more convenient to just look up your information online, but I mean that's another issue too <laughs> mm, no it is people call us and ask for their medical records like we'll have it like no hmm. but that would make sense too at the same wait time. so you guys don't even wow no <laughs> i mean you can access it sort of kind of but it's based off of just the claim information that we have so, so if you had oh, a different wow. insurance company multiple like different throughout your employers because then they'll be practicing medicine and they can't but, a patient, but you guys a really pa- do patient, practice patient. medicine. <laughs> Insurance companies do practice medicine I mean, we in have a way. Clinicians, right? And we approve things. But you are, yeah, you're approving deny. Hmm. So mm-hmm. you guys are actually practicing we, medicine. We really could if, you know, well, it would have to be some sort of database between the insurance companies because people change. Okay. If that's not too much, probably. But yeah. We can bleep that out. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That is very interesting. Your actually. mind is wandering. Yeah, that was very What's interesting. What's going on with you? You can log on to um, <laughs> the on website the and then you can find your medical records, but it's not going to be complete. It's just going to be based off of the claims that we have. Um, and it's not thorough and it's not detailed and it's not official. We always say go back to your doctor's office or the hospital. So you have no insight into like a patient that just been bouncing around? Mm hmm. What about what now. what about um, a patient that maybe has used dual coverage? No, not oh. dual coverage. Okay, I would ask that first. Let's ask <laughs> that. 
-hmm. Do you have insights on patient with dual coverage? Um, we have to know about another insurance company if they're primary to us. So do you have the same, like, so let's say if I have coverage with one in A and B, mm -hmm. they, I have to, it gets reported to both. Basically, if I get surgery using this insurance. So let's say A and B, right? Mm -hmm. A is primary and B is secondary. Mm -hmm. Because you can't pick and choose which one is primary and which is secondary. It's, there's rules. You cannot pick and choose which one is primary and which is secondary. So if you have part A and you have part B, well, B coverage, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're B, we have to know about A. Because as B, we can't process as primary if you have A. Wow. So, so a patient can't choose. I've seen claims for a whole year go back and be denied, and we get all the money back from providers because we found out that there was another primary insurance. We completely fucked a whole member's accounts, and that happens all the time because of us not being notified of a primary insurance. That kind of messed up my other question. I kind of forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, that was that was sorry. so like, no, no, it's good because that, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, it's called the seven rules of well, coordination of benefits. The seven rules mm -hmm. of what? It's COB, coordination COB. of benefits. Oh, so the seven rules of COB, which is coordination of benefits. Yep. And what is that exactly? It determines which policy is primary and which one is secondary. Hmm. Okay. My question was that now let's say if myself, if I was with Aetna mm -hmm. for five years, mm -hmm. I drop off and now I'm with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm -hmm. And then after Blue Cross Blue Shield, I lose my job and now I'm on Obamacare, right? It, that still exists? Why did you make that face? Because it's not an insurance Exactly, company. but it's insurance, correct? And nonetheless, right or wrong? Um, that's Medicaid. Well, technically. It's insurance, correct? Like somebody's taking care of me. It's different, though, because if you have insurance through a major company, well, I'm talking about commercial. Okay, let's stick with commercial then. All so. right. I drop off again. I go to Oscar, and then I go back to Aetna. Mm -hmm. Aetna does not have any of that information from the in-between. If you are, is this insinuating that you're with the same employer and then you just decided to no, switch it's, or let's different just, let's, jobs? Let's, let's do both, right? Let's say I was with the same employer and then my employer switched. And then let's do a scenario where I decided to switch. I, I'm bouncing jobs. We would need to know of the termination dates because one way or the other, we would end up finding out that you had another insurance at a certain point in time. Mm -hmm. And that would trigger us to deny your claims for clarification. No. All right, so like, so the question, like, all right, so you know patients bounce around, right, with insurance. Mm -hmm. So I can go from Aetna to United Health. Mm -hmm. I go from United Health to Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm -hmm. And literally th within year after year after year, so within the course of three years, I can have three different health insurances. Mm -hmm. And on the fourth year, I'm going back to Aetna. Mm -hmm. Will Aetna have all that activity? We don't need it, it, unless there was a lapse. Because you don't really care. Yeah, because it wouldn't matter. If there was dual coverage or a lapse in coverage, or, mm. you know, Aetna would need to know. Hmm. But otherwise, no. As long as that's because the only insurance policy that you have at the time. And, and the reason, I guess, because it doesn't matter is because a physician, like, such as... KP, if he were a physician, 
he can be covered under more than one insurance? As a phys- yes, I mean providers okay. can have different contracts with you know hundreds every yeah mm-hmm. of insurance companies yeah absolutely. Well, <laughs> that's that. No, that's all my questions. Do you have anything else, KP? Mm-hmm. So that's it, Miss Anonymous. If you can, you don't need your email address. No, you don't need your website. <laughs> yeah, no. Anything. No, if you can, just I would like for you to share with the patients just a few like. Tips and tricks. Some, some, yeah, tips and tricks, some information that uh, before you started working these six years ago, that what you have learned, that you feel like, you know, our listeners should really consider or value, which is important information. I mean, it could just be two things, just off the cuff. What do you think, what did you learn that was the most important thing about healthcare insurance? Educate yourself, first and foremost. If you are someone that has a lot of medical conditions or you know that you're going to be going to the doctors a lot, educate yourself. Call the insurance company before during open enrollment and get an overview of the policy. You can say, you know, summarize everything for me and we will do that for you. Hmm. Take advantage of the insurance company and get as much information as you can. Um, network status matters so much in the medical insurance world. So I would say to stay in network. And really, it's, it's all about just trying to knowledge, you know, self-help. There are resources out there. Um, the websites and apps that your insurance company offers are there to help you and get the bang for your buck because otherwise you'll get screwed. So, and don't trust what the doctor's offices tell you. Hmm, <laughs> Call your know. insurance company and ask for clarification. Because they will screw you too. So Do not trust them. We're basically getting screwed by everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Getting screwed by insurance. Good luck. Doctor, <laughs> hospital, employer, man. Hmm. Well, I do appreciate you being on the show today to share this mm-hmm. very informative conversation regarding healthcare, insurance, inpatient care. We'll talk some more, I think. So. And. There's some more. With that said, um, if you have not subscribed, make sure you hit the subscribe button and tune in next time. Thank you. Thanks.